0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce odyssey podcast. I'm here with Isaac Kuhlman from Real Coaching. Isaac, tell us about what you do.
1: Yeah. So thanks for having me, Trevor. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, so what we do, uh, what I do inside of Real Coaching is basically, we we obviously help Amazon sellers who sell FBA private label products, meaning their own brands of products, um, scale and grow their business through strategic development, and also through coaching them. So, you know, it's, it's one thing to have a plan. It's one thing to have instructional videos. But then once you start putting it in place, you're going to have questions, right? So that's where we kind of jump in. Uh, we look at their business, we don't just like hypothetically give them answers to, you know, you know, random scenarios that they can come up with. They'll say, here's what I'm dealing with in my business, here's my metrics, here's my you know products and all my listings, how do I actually make this thing better? And that's when we do some deep, deep research with them, have that conversation, and actually help them move forward. And, you know, say you're at one place, right? So you're, you just started selling, you got your first product online, we'll tell you kind of how to scale and grow that one product, but then also how to implement and find more products for that, for that brand or that product line. And if you are, you know, selling $100,000 a month, well, we'll take you from that position and then grow you from there. So how do you, you know, make the products you have better, get rid of the ones that aren't working, scale and find other products, and then obviously do the marketing procedures properly all the way through.
0: Okay, so what is it that people find the most difficult?
1: Well, I think that- is I think it just, ask,
0: Does everyone find things, Everyone find different things difficult?
1: There's a couple. I would say there's two main things. And uh, the, the, the two main things that most people find most difficult are finding the right products. Right. And then uh, the advertising. So Amazon PPC or what they call mm-hmm. Amazon advertising. So the reason why the finding the products is so hard is because it has been kind of, you know, a blown up e-commerce model over the last eight years is when I started. Um, and so in that last eight years, it feels like it's been a million years. And there's been, you know, literally millions and millions of sellers since that, you know, since I joined that have come in. Most of them have, like, it's kind of like come and go, but more come in than than leave. So um, there will be a lot of products out there. I mean, there's millions of products out there. But the reason why people get so stuck on finding products is because they only think about the things that they want to sell, not necessarily things that they can sell to make money. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, if you think about, like, all the things right now in your head, just like, what would I sell if I was on Amazon, Right. You probably think of very common items, things that you know big brands would sell or you know things that other people have already picked up on. And that's the common model for most of the training courses out there is they'll say, here's how to find products. They'll give you a specific filter. And then everybody who uses that filter goes out and finds the exact same products. We have a bit of a different strategy. You know, we obviously go out there, we kind of give them some concepts. Like, obviously you have to have a budget. You have to know your budget. You can't overspend your budget. Here's the product you have to kind of You know, we're not giving them a list or anything. We're just saying, here's the kinds of products that you might think about. So uh, one good one is instead of selling the thing, sell the thing that goes with the thing. So for example, you don't sell, you know, an iPhone, but you might sell iPhone screen protectors. Now that was one of the first things that I started selling. That one's super competitive because it's such a cheap product that is massively, you know, there's massive sales there. So it's overly competitive now. But um, when I first started eight years ago, that was one of the, the main products that we were selling at the time. Uh, But yeah, it's if you think about the things that go with the thing more often, and you just look around, like, what goes with that thing? You know, a lot of people like to bundle things together. So they're like, they'll take one thing and then throw another thing that that doesn't have anything to do with it, or is somewhat related, but doesn't need to be bought together. Like, for example, like, you might get, you know, let's just say a gravy boat. I had gravy this morning for my biscuits and gravy. So I I get a gravy boat, well, then they're going to throw a gravy ladle in with the gravy boat. But you don't need a gravy ladle with a gravy boat, because the gravy ladle is a separate product, right? So you can sell those as two separate products. Whereas mm-hmm. most people think like you have to bundle them so that way you can sell them together, which is not necessarily true. You just need to have a good product, good marketing message, good pricing, you know, all that, all the stuff that you would want to be served as a customer, so, you so serve that to your customer.
0: You, so your thing is really creating, because a lot, a lot of people would say, okay, you need to find, uh, you know, but you go on and find products which, you know, where there's key phrases where people aren't, you know, the, the products aren't, appearing or there's there's products which are badly optimized are you more of the point of view that people just you know you need to have good quality products that you know and and start from that situation yeah so think
1: about it in terms of customer service right when i think of a business i don't think of like hey i'm going to sell you something it's hey i'm offering you a solution to a problem that's like literally how businesses started you had a solution to someone else's problem they pay you for that in some way and then you you take the, the money for that and then obviously solve their problems. So if you switch the thinking from hey, let's go out and find something that just sells really well. The, that that actually, you know, especially if it connects to you and those problems that you have in a day, you can flip that around. So instead of just going on Amazon and searching all everything that you can possibly sell and looking at every random keyword, we call it long tail, right? So if you type in, you know, a longer tail keyword, you might find, you know, easier competition. Well, in reality, the sales might not actually be there. Because all the tools that we have available to us to help us find um, sales volumes and such and such, it doesn't define it by keyword, right? So like, if you look at, let's just say gravy boat with ladle, but let's say that's the keyword I'm looking for, Mm -hmm. thinking like, I'm going to sell gravy boat with ladle. Okay. But then you see like all these gravy boats that are selling really well at the top of that page. That's not necessarily where they're getting the sales. They're probably getting the sales from gravy boat or gravy ladle, right? Because... Separately, they probably have really high sales volume and high search volume. But that one keyword in the middle, just because you wrote it longer, doesn't mean it's actually going to make it easier to compete. So you're Mm -hmm. taking out more gravy boats and more gravy ladles and giving yourself that false hope that you can actually rank on this page easier. You can rank on that page easier, but that doesn't mean that the sales are driven on that keyword. So you have to have kind of a sweet spot. I kind of call it the Goldilocks scenario. So you know the Goldilocks. Uh, it's it's too hot, too cold. It's just right, right? So you have to find. You know, say this one's way too. Th- this one's way too competitive, too broad. So gravy is too broad, right? Because there's things that are there that aren't mm. gravy boats. And then you can you can't put in gravy boat with ladle or gravy boat ceramic with ladle or something like that because that's too much, right? So you have to just call it what it is: gravy boat. That's what you're looking for. If you change that keyword. The, the, the sales data and all that extraction data that you're going to find to research is going to be skewed. And, you know, you're going to have it's, it's going to, it's going to make it clear that if you if you say you have a $10,000 budget for a product, you go in there and do the research. And you when we actually have tools that help you analyze, you know, what's the competition like, how much money will you actually need to spend for marketing? How much of that launch process going to cost? How much does your products cost? How many units are you going to need to kind of launch that product? And then if you put us all through this tool, essentially at the end, it'll tell you, can you afford to launch this product successfully? Now, anybody can launch any product on Amazon. I'm not going to say you can't, but to expect to get like one or two sales, why would you waste your time to Mm. launch a product on that product, right? So if you're on page three and you're getting two, three sales a day, but it took you six months to get this product live and you spent $20,000 on it. Why did you waste the effort when you know your return on investment is going to take two, three years for just that one product, right? Mm-hmm. So we try to find things that are you know, a little bit more kind of in that, that niche of it's, it's a good product. It's not overly competitive. It fits your budget and you can actually make a good product and compete. Yeah. So we, we, we go through a pretty highly vetting pro, a high vetting process through that. Um, we have a, it's, it's a spreadsheet tool that we have. And then we can actually analyze it at at, at that time, um, but yeah, the other the other main issue I think, and, and just to go back to the, the the second part of that was the Amazon advertising, right? So the reason why people have a big issue with the Amazon advertising is they just don't understand data that much, right? So they understand how to run it, they understand how much like like how much spend versus um, uh, sales they're getting. So like, hey, you spent three hundred dollars, you got a thousand dollars in sales that returns a pretty good investment. So it's like 33% or whatever, right? 30%. But then when they go and say, I don't know how much that means in terms of my bottom line, how much profit that's taking away from my bottom line, that's where they get confused. Because the first thing everybody who's a, an existing seller will tell us is, I'm losing all my profit to Amazon ads. And that's that's literally like, I mean, 99% of existing sellers will will truly believe that. But then when you actually go through and look at like, what's the percentage of this, you know, profit coming away from your business. What, how much profit are you making per month? How much is that taking away? What percent of sales are coming from ads versus actually organic ranking? Um, that's when you can start to really see. So looking at a broader
0: kind of picture across the whole business. Basically. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Most people are just focused on what the data from the campaigns are telling them. And the Amazon PPC. So you want well, you use look, look at the anymore. whole account, look at across the whole account.
0: So what'd you exactly. say? We say i am a retail business as well. Right. And, um, I've always thought that it's better to have a range of products, uh, several products that are kind of performing respectively. Yeah. Because they tend to continue to perform respectively. Yep. Whereas if you've got something which does, you know, goes up, it's almost certainly going to come straight back down <laughs> yeah. again. And loads of other people will, will, will pile in and try and, you know, do similar products. Yeah. And yeah. whereas, you know, I've got, you know, some, Kind of respectively selling products which I've been selling for like 10 years, and yep. no one gets that excited about them, but they're it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it's is that well, I climate? sell an
1: ice scraper, who the hell gets excited about that?
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, probably probably <laughs> sells you know 50 ice scrapers a day or whatever.
1: Well, and, in the UK, uh, UK on my birthday this year, on November 29th, I sold 966 units in one day, which was pretty nice.
0: Well, it was a particularly cold day, presumably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, nice.
1: Keep it, keep it cold in the UK for just one more day. <laughs> well, so
0: someone bought it on Amazon.com and got it shipped to the UK? Or, or oh, no, it- I sell in the UK
1: as well. Oh, on, right, Amazon.com. Okay. okay, But yeah.
0: Cool. So tell yeah. me, so um, what was your, so you work as a retailer as well? As a- I do not.
1: Uh, I literally just sell on Amazon. Uh, I mean, I, I put like a Shopify store out there, but I don't. Well, I say so you, you run an Amazon
0: business, retail business, as well as doing, uh, as well as doing coaching.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So I have my own, my own brands. I have two brands actually right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, how many, how many products do you have in your brands? If it's not a, don't tell me, you know, what, what's your, what's your how big is your portfolio?
1: Yeah. So the first one uh, I started about five years ago, It's more of like an, ex- I wouldn't say an experiment, but it's more of like an example. Um, yeah. So it's the one with the ice scraper and it. it's an automotive category product or a brand. And I've been selling that for five years. That one only has three. I had four, took one away. It only has three products. I'm actually going to be winding two of them off and and keeping one. It's like I said, it's more for like just use of, of, of data and stuff like that uh, to show as a case study. Um, but then I've just started another brand in October, uh, late September of 2020. It's got three products and I'm going to be launching another probably two or three in the next year. So that one's pretty new. Um, it's I, what I try to do is I try to scale it at a way that a normal person would do it instead of saying, Here, let's throw a hundred thousand dollars and then blow it up and just show that you know you can still make a bunch of money out there. Um, you can get sales like if you just spend a lot, but that doesn't mean you're going to get profit. So, right, okay. the goal with every business can, that, that always, I run is you can is always to try sell dollars
0: profit. for you can always sell dollars for one dollar, you know, yeah, five dollars for one dollar. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, you know, so what is your um, uh, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of programs out there, right? Yep. What, what makes your one special? Why should people choose you above other people?
1: Yeah. And so this is a unique thing that we've been doing for five years now. Um, 2016 is when we started, but, uh, basically when, when we first started, we found that it was always just, it, everything was a training course. You could go on YouTube or you could go find, you know, a $5,000 training course, go buy it yeah, sure. They'll have like a forum where you can ask questions. And yeah, sure. They'll have like a question and answer thing, but it was all generic. It was like hypothetical situations. Nobody was allowed to talk about their products. Nobody could talk about their brands. Nobody brought up, you know, no coach would, or coach, as I call them, would ever look at anything you were doing to help you personally. Right. So we, we looked at other business models and uh, my, my, my uh, co-founder, my, my partner, Kirsty Verity, um, she and I started talking about that time. And I was like, why don't people talk about their businesses? Like if you ran a restaurant, you would certainly go ask other people in the restaurant business for help on how you run a better restaurant or mm-hmm. you know anything, right? So why can't we as Amazon sellers go out and ask other people for help? And, and they can look at our business and have mentors like that, right? So we just said, well, we're gonna do it. We're gonna try it. So we have like non-disclosure agreements, um, non-compete clauses and stuff like that. So we have that, that kind of, um, you know, backup. So that way people feel confident about it. But yeah, we we actually show our products to all of our members. We show, you know, they show their products to us and we work through the process of you know what's what's holding you back. So if you look at their metrics, that's where it really starts. Like if you have an existing business and you don't know what your key metrics are in your business, you don't know you, you're flying blind. Like you have no idea what to fix. Is your conversion low? Well, we have ways to fix that. Is your are your sessions low? We have ways to fix that. Is your profit low? Fix that, right? So There's definitely things, you know, keyword ranking, reviews, ratings, all that stuff matters. Your pricing versus your competitor, all that stuff matters. But if you don't know that, and you're not really thinking outside of your own perspective, you're just thinking, I'm going to raise the price so I can get more profit. Well, you're probably shutting off a lot of sales that you could have got and actually made more money in that process. So there's, there's ways to really think about business holistically that you might be, you know, fragmenting it and only looking at it from certain angles Whereas a person who comes in and looks at your business can actually look at it very quickly and say, here's three key things that I think you can fix right now to move forward. And same thing when people are starting a business, right? Like how do you find your first product? If you don't have help trying to figure that out, I mean, most people do one of two things. They either launch their first product, it goes well, then they run out of stock and then they have to reorder it. By the time they reorder it, it's kind of dead. And then they never recover. Or the second thing is, they launch it not knowing how competitive it is and they never make money. And then they think the whole thing is a scam and they never want to sell on Amazon again. So yeah, if you don't have help, those are the two options that you basically end up having. None, neither one of those roads is, is a, a fun road to go down. That's mm-hmm. why you need some of that you know, guidance. You know, If I'm putting 15, $20,000 into something, don't you think I'm going to go ask somebody for help before I do that? Like, of course I would. I yeah. put, I, you know, I put money into the stock market and investments like that. I don't just do that blindly. I go talk to people who know what the hell they're talking about and ask them what they're doing and how that would actually make sense and what things to look for. And that's when that actually, you know, that's when you can actually make a more confident decision moving forward. And that's the one thing that we've done for years that almost nobody else does. As far as I know, nobody else does it the way. So it's the hands on.
0: So you think you're much more hands-on than than other. Oh, yeah. So
1: we don't we don't onboard like a 1000 people at a time or anything like that. We basically stick to about 20, 30 people at a time. So that way we could work hands on with them just like a classroom, right? It's like, you know, you're not going to build, you're not going to get training delivered to you accurately, if a you know, 1000 people are coming in at a time, right? You know, that's what most training programs try to do. They try to get everybody on board, take the money, and then figure out the problems later. Whereas we, we thought ahead, like, what results do we want the customers get to get so the members need to get a product, they need to get better sales, more profit, whatever, right? So we started with the problems and then reverse engineered it to how can we fix that? And so the main it, thing- that how does it, work with it hands So on.
0: do you have a certain cohort you take on in one go? And how do you, how, tell us how you, how, you, how you structure it.
1: Yeah, so that's exactly right. So we basically will say, well, there's no, it's not like a, a start, stop, you know, like a start and stop kind of thing. It's more fluid, but we do have, like we onboard people monthly. So that way we can work through, you know, all the problems they have, and then move forward. Now, we don't have a specific set start, you know, time, uh, start and stop time for everybody, we can work with people as long as they need to be worked with, right. So they need a year and a half or three months or whatever it is, like, you know, everybody needs a certain different thing. And then obviously, the, the coaching programs are tailored to that need. So we try to help people where they are, for as long as they need help, and then obviously show them how to scale that business, you know, as a, as a smarter, better business owner versus let's do it for you. Let's do a service for you. Here's that product. We just launched it for you and you know nothing about how it's done. And when you do that, you know, if you, if you have everything done for you, you tend to not be able to replicate the process. So once you pay for that service, you can't do it again. So you then have to go back and pay for that service again. Whereas we kind of, if, if I can equate it to an analogy, it'd be like the dentist, right? The dentist tells you brush your teeth every day, floss every day, you know, do mouthwash, protect your teeth, right? Whereas, you know, everybody else is just treating your symptoms. Like doctors are only treating your symptoms. They're not necessarily treating the thing, the root cause of what's causing it, right? So we're like the dentist. We don't necessarily want you to have to be in this position where you need us, but where if, when you do need us, or most people will need somebody to help them, we want you to be able to understand how to treat the root causes of the business from essentially failing. So that way you can actually build it properly yourself with or without us in the end, in the end game, right?
0: So do you think, are well, you a fan of so your, your, your clients and yourself. I mean, do you, is it white label or own label products that people are making? Um, yeah, so,
1: I mean, it's private label. Some people kind of intermingle the terms white label and private yeah, label. White so, so label you taking I mean, somebody else's product and you putting it Someone opinion. else's
0: putting a label on it. Like yeah. An own label, I mean, things developed from scratch.
1: Yeah, so, so. We, we do, I mean, white label and that in that version would be the, the, the term that we would say. Doing it from scratch like an invention or something, um, that would be pretty tough. Or even like just altering something quite significantly is usually pretty tough unless you know that there's demand already there and you're just tweaking certain things to make it better. I have seen several people do that, which is great. Um, They have an insight of of a product and say, you know what? I can probably sell it for a little bit more if I include this stuff that makes it better. It's not like I'm including extra products in there. I'm including, you know, it might be a new version of that product. Um, And when they do that, it usually works out pretty well. Uh, But yeah, you can't just, you can't invent something and sell it on Amazon. Because again, people usually search through a keyword, right? Unless there's a, a very specific keyword that you can launch on, get ranking for, and you believe that people will buy yours on that thing, um, you know, I'm going to make something up here, but you know, let's just say there's, there's, I've got a new product called a toilet flusher, something that makes your toilet flush without you having to do anything, right? So I don't know what that would look like, but I don't think a lot of people are going on Amazon right now and typing in toilet flusher to see what is there, right? Like no one's really thinking of like, hey, I want something to flush my toilet. No, it's, it's, if there is, I mean, I, I can't imagine it's a high search volume. So you can't just make stuff up and then go out and sell it because no one's looking for it. You can do that on stuff like Kickstarter, or Indiegogo or whatever, where, you know, you can get people, but you usually have to have a list or a, a big marketing budget for that, you know, if you have to um, educate well, <laughs> an entire consumer right, base on what well. a product is, Yeah. So it's really about so it's finding
0: so your your clients will go on to sites like Alibaba and and find products and 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 um, and rebrand them using their own branding.
1: Yeah. So obviously, using Amazon as the as the catalyst for the products that they're looking for, then they see the type and type you know they'll they'll buy their competitors' products, see what it's like, how good it is, what kind of marketing stuff they'll do. They'll go contact factories. We actually suggest using sourcing agents, which are people. In China who help you find, you know, the the better factories, not just Alibaba factories, because Alibaba, if anybody's ever used that, everybody knows. It's a Chinese to Western civilization kind of site where they'll lure you in with with basically saying yes to everything. And then terms change, prices change, quality changes by the time you get to the actual product. Because most of the time, you're not talking to a factory representative, you're talking to a salesperson on the Alibaba website, who's kind of loosely interacting with a factory and they basically just say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get you on, and we'll we'll, we'll move forward. Sometimes it ends up being a good thing, uh, but likely if you're doing that sourcing that way, you're probably overpaying for costs of goods, and you're probably not putting together the best payment plan, and you're probably not getting the best quality uh, that you can for the price. So we have a different scenario where we we say go contact sourcing agents in China, help to, you know basically hire them to help you find the best quality products at the best price within your budget and within your um, you know, because I always use the golden toilet scenario. You can make a toilet golden, cover it in gold, but you know, you're gonna have to sell it for a million dollars. So, who's gonna buy a million dollar toilet? Probably very few people. That's like on, on Amazon, you can make the world's greatest product, but if you have to sell it for like three, four times the normal price, it's probably outpriced, right? So, like the average consumer is not gonna buy it. People on, on Amazon want great quality, which means great price, great product. So, you don't have to create the world's greatest product. You just have to have a very good product at a very good price. Good for the price, basically. A
0: good, um, yeah. Okay.
1: Cool. Yeah. So, no I mean, golden you th- toilets.
0: I mean, do you think that it's, <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. Do you think it's becoming more difficult to sell on Amazon? I mean, is it becoming more competitive all the time?
1: I mean, it is. I, I, I'm, there's no, you know, the, the phrase that a lot of people use is the best time to sell on Amazon was five years ago. The next best time is today because it's only yes. going to get more and more competitive, right? So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not harder to sell than eight years ago when I started this. But the, the things that we have available now make losing money a lot less likely if you actually follow strategies. Mm-hmm. When I say that, I mean, if you know the inherent strategies and the inherent risks of going into overly competitive products, you probably will shy away from that. If you know it's out of your budget, you won't do that. However, if you go in blindly, just putting a certain amount of money in 10, 15, $20,000 and don't know the risks of that category or that product, then you will likely lose all that money. Um, If you know what you're doing and there's better resources now than there ever have been, if you know what you're doing, you're less likely to lose that money because I won't guarantee that you can make money. I would probably guarantee that you can sell the products that you have at a certain price to at least probably break even or really, you know, limit the amount of money that you lose on your initial investment um, for pretty much any product. Now, Mm -hmm. I can only say that if you follow certain steps, right? Like if you go out there and then get frustrated because it's not selling, and then you dump the whole thing and say, well, I give up, well, you're going to lose your investment, right? Like that's, that's the easiest way to lose your investment is to quit. But there are ways to go out there and sell products every single day, especially using PPC or Amazon advertising at certain price where you break even on your on your initial investment or do better. Sometimes you might lose a little bit of money, but at least you're not losing it all, right? So, so
0: what kind of time period would you suggest people look at in terms of kind of breaking even?
1: Yeah, I mean, so it and obviously depends on every product and I'm, I'm not gonna give like a very specific timeline, but you shouldn't expect to, if you, especially if you're brand new and never sold and never don't have any products, if you've never sold on Amazon, you should not expect to be up and selling in less than four months. Mm-hmm. It should take four to six months, probably for you to at least get your first product up and running. Cause it, if you think about it this way, manufacturing usually takes three, three weeks to four weeks for most products shipping. If you do it by sea, because it saves you a lot of money will take 30 to 40 days, maybe sometimes up to 60, especially right now with delays. So that's three months right there, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're going to get your first product in the first two, three months, well, you're not considering reality, right? Cause there's three months of manufacturing and shipping that has to happen there. Plus Amazon has to check it in. So that's like another week to 10 days. So you're really looking at three months of production lead time, plus however long it takes you to figure out what you're looking for. So if it takes you three months to decide on a product, that's fine. Then it takes you another three months to get into Amazon. That's totally fine. That's a pretty good thought process for when you're actually going to get it to be starting to sell. Now, when you're looking to actually break even or make profit, it's likely going to be, Not on the first order. So the first order usually is supposed to last you two to three months and then maybe up to four. So that first order is probably not going to make much money, if any, because you got to invest in the launch, probably you'll lose some money. But on the second order, that's when you'll actually start to kick in. So you should start seeing some money come back in. Just just logically speaking through the scenario here or the process, you should start seeing money come back to you seven, eight, nine, 10 months down the road, and then maybe even break even for the entire investment by the end of the year. Like most a, at least most a businesses year. businesses not have that, right?
0: If you're if you're looking if you're looking for like a so you're saying basically, things should start to look up after about a year.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that every seems- every brand I've ever seen. Like I, even when I started my brands, I don't expect to pay myself much in the first year. Like sure you can like if you have a good month like in December or something you go through like a quarter four and it does really well you can take a little money. I did that. I actually took two thousand dollars out of the business, went on a vacation with my wife to Mexico, and that's, that was just the one thing I did from the first year of my business that next year, I think I paid myself like 30 or $35,000 just, and I didn't need it. Like I have, I had other income means, but I just paid myself that. So that way the business wasn't hogging all the money. So I had to run it on a certain level. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So what do you think are the most important skills required when building an Amazon business?
1: Uh, I, it, there's a lot I of I mean, keywords. there's obviously,
0: you know, because, you know, yeah. there's, there's, what I mean is there's so many different aspects to it. There's the kind of, you know, there's the business side of it. Yeah. There's the kind of knowing about Amazon side of it. There's the selecting products. What do you think are the, I don't know, what are the top three things that people need to be good at? Or, or
1: I would say definitely three top three. Um, perseverance, because if you quit, you fail. If you don't yes. quit, you can still succeed. Right. So, perseverance is excellent advice for, for life. Yep. Um, problem solving still comes better than anything. Like in anything that you ever do, if you can find problem uh, solutions to problems, you will figure out how to be successful on Amazon, especially if you have somebody helping you. And then three, be analytical in the sense that if you know your metrics, they guide a lot of the decision process. If you're afraid of numbers and just don't like, uh, like looking at a spreadsheet and I know they, they get intense and they can be kind of intimidating at first, but if you don't get comfortable with learning spreadsheets and profit and losses and all that stuff and, and what goes in, what comes out. If you don't like that, do not start a business. Do not run an Amazon business. Don't try to do anything that is not just getting a paycheck because that requires very little analytical skill aside from whatever work you're doing to keep getting that money, right? If you have to learn how to make money for yourself, you have to know everywhere that you have to look in your business to try to make that better, to, to basically profitize it's, it's it, right? It's constantly
0: exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> <It> is, <laughs> exactly. It is.
1: And, well, and that's the one thing at, like somebody well, said to me one good time at it,
0: i'll i'll let you know yeah. <laughs> when somebody when one time said home.
1: to me like what like can i do this if i don't have my ppc optimized and i was like what does that mean like well she said fully optimized i was like i don't think you'll ever have anything in your business fully optimized that's the process you're never going to be perfect at anything you'll try to achieve 99 right so like you've got it 99 and then you just turn some screws here and there but that's the whole thing you've got to keep doing that to try to Keep maximizing no, your, no. your profit. I mean, sometimes the
0: problem is, you know, it's just getting that extra, you know, 10% or something, because you're always like thinking, can this yeah. be better? Can this be better? Can this be better? It must yep. be able to get this better. And you spent so long playing around with it. And as you play with things, you break them. That's my yep. experience. <laughs> and I, I wish that I'd, particularly this is, I mean, this is not so much with Amazon, but it's more with things like Google, you know, Google pay-per-click. Yep. That the more you play with it, you play with it. And the system has to then readjust. Yeah. And the performance actually gets worse. Uh, yep. I think sometimes I just think, God, just get it to a certain state where it's respectable and just leave it and just be happy yeah. with it being Well, and think about it, it this is, way.
1: Once you do something, your competitors are likely reacting with certain ways that they're going to try to fix things, yeah. right? So it's are not the only. Race, I believe. Yeah. You're, it, not, you're not the, the only actor phone... out there. run very fast to stay still
0: so look where do you think amazon is heading as a platform do you think for example i mean it's obviously become very brand focused these days um is it uh, you know do you think that they're going to it's it's, uh, you know it's going to have big regulatory problems um do you think that it's going to have to choose between being a marketplace and being a retailer what do you think what are your kind of feelings about where it's going
1: i i honestly think because amazon has grown to the point where it's grown to that I don't know if you ever read, um, I think his name's Philip Dick. Uh, he, he wrote some sci-fi novels back in the fifties and they did some Amazon prime. We um, had adaptations of, of his novels, but in one of them, they actually have this kind of like Amazon thing, like this warehouse where basically everything revolves around that company. Right. So Amazon, in my opinion, will probably be the closest thing to com- a completely controlling monopolized company The world has ever seen in the next 20, 30 years. And what I mean by that is they will practically own all the retail space, either physically or virtually in the United States and much of other Western countries Um, in the next 20 to 30 years, they will systemize their processes to where they profit more than anybody else on the platform, obviously. So there are now people they call Amazon aggregators that are buying up brands, putting them together and trying to package them up for venture capitalists to put money into it. So that way their money grows. And it's like a, it's like better than bank return, right? So like they're putting money in, they're taking money out with dividends. Um, These things will start to happen. You'll start to see big, big companies with big venture capitalist money come in, try to monopolize the third party marketplace. The whole time, Amazon's going to be basically capitalizing off of that, knowing exactly that just because they're out there doesn't mean that they're going to do it better than third-party brands that sold to them. So they're going to basically be scooping up all these, all these profits from them. And then basically, it's going to become a very narrow uh, <laughs> and bleak scenario where either it's Amazon or the aggregators. And this is still 20, 30 years away. So we're talking this, there's still room here. Um, but in the end, it will be more like a monopoly, I think, than anything that we've ever seen. I mean, Walmart's probably the next closest thing to a monopoly where they try to go out and get a 10 share in every single market. So like they actually even talked about doing an automobile about 10, 15 years ago and it didn't go through, but you'll see things like that from Amazon. They've tried doing phones. They're doing some other stuff. You'll start to see them doing all that stuff. Like Apple's doing like, you know, Google's doing Tesla's obviously out there trying to do some things. Um, But in the end, I think, honestly, you're going to see Amazon on the moon. And we're going to be harvesting uh, moon rocks from, from, from the moon. I think, I don't know. United I think States. that
0: it's, I mean, Amazon is a monopoly and I can see, you can yeah. see the monopoly in the way they treat their third-party sellers. Yep. And they treat their third-party sellers awfully. Yeah. Right. And um, I think that, you know, what monopolies do is they hike up prices when they're monopoly and that's just what they continue to do. I think it's going to be bad for consumers in the end. Yeah. Um, but- I mean, it
1: will, uh, it will become to a point where Amazon probably just says it's, 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 we're going to take as much as we possibly can. And anybody that can't, you know, support that, we don't, we don't mind you leaving because all the sales are still here. All the yeah. consumers that we have, all of our traffic is still here. And then they you say bye to all the low tier kind of sellers. And, yeah,
0: that is um, your, it's, quite, it's quite bleak.
1: It is, so, but it is, uh, like I said, 20, 30 years away. They're not, they're not going to fix something that isn't broken right now. It's not broken. They're making tons of money. Uh, more than 50% of all the sales on Amazon occur from third-party sellers like us. Um, So it's not like they're going to change that model, but I mean, you'll start to see just as with every company, they'll find ways to go in the direction that they want to go. And over 20, 30 years time, you'll start to see it being very narrow. I think Um, that's why I say get in. you know, five years ago would be better. Today's the best. And then, you know, have an exit plan. So that way you can leave when the time is right and, and, and cash out for a decent payday.
0: Okay. So, okay. Last question. What has inspired you recently? Of course, everything you've done. what What's, yes. what's, you know.
1: That's a good question. I mean, obviously my life has actually quite changed in the year I had a son, um, getting a new house, like a lot of things have happened. Obviously pandemics happen for everybody. You've got I
0: can see behind you, you've got a drum kiss and. and... Yeah. I've got
1: guitars here, drums. We've got microphones over there. I got a little recording studio. I do play music a lot. Um, but I think the one thing that, that my passion is, is music and I I love connecting with with like minded individuals in whatever I do. And obviously, in the Amazon space, if you need help with Amazon, love connecting there. If you are a musician, love connecting there. So I think it's more about the things that that bring us joy with the money that we have. So when I say inspiration, I don't mean like you have to have a lot of money to be inspired to do things. I think it's better if you just have a really good inspiration of where you want to go in life. And that's, that's the thing that inspires me is when I see people achieve those results. Right. So like, then I'm like, you know what, it's still possible. Everybody can do it. Um, so when I see people get results by following a passion and Tony Shea, I don't know if you know, he's the, the co- former founder, co-founder of Zappos. Uh, he recently died in a, in a, in a yeah, fire he didn't die in a very
0: inspiring way, unfortunately. No, it's unfortunate. <laughs> but,
1: um, but yeah, his, his famous quote was follow the, follow the uh, vision, not the money, the money will follow. So if you understand where you want to go, how you want to help people, how you can serve the world better, then you'll actually be more, you know, fit to actually make the money that you want. And I've seen it in pretty much every walk of business. So every single niche where not just Amazon, every single niche of business where the people are the most passionate about the vision that they want to achieve, that's when they're most successful people who are just in it for money will literally do anything for money and that drains them. They'll go off and do a bunch of other just dumb things. Like they'll try every technique and every trick and every hack and then they all fall apart and then they're back to square one feeling like they can't move forward. So if you're doing it for the right reasons, you won't sabotage yourself. You won't make that business, uh, you know, uh, I guess you won't neglect it like you would if you actually care about it. So I would say the thing that you need to focus on is the inspiration and the vision you have for how you want to help people. And don't think about it as selling to make money. Think about it serving to, uh, you know, so, uh, give problems or solutions to problems.
0: Okay. That's, that's very interesting. That's kind of, that's quite Jeff Bezos as well. Customer yeah. first.
1: Okay. Yeah. He's a, he's in, in, in a lot of ways, Jeff Bezos is, is smart and, um, you know, logical and humble. But in the other ways, he's absolutely an egomaniac and a billionaire who's yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think way too becoming, much money to burn. I think he's
0: becoming a bit too. I think he's dis- he's in danger of disappearing up his own ass. As
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: um, is <laughs> you know, I don't know. He's got the he had the novelist wife, and the uh, now he's dumped the novelist wife for the for the for the trophy wife. Yeah, and, he started building and a rocket ship. And a rocket ship. I don't know if it is. It is just a bit of a metaphor, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like a super midlife crisis at the highest scale. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, look, Isaac, it's been lovely speaking to you. I found it very interesting. And I hope we can speak again in the future.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Trevor. It's been awesome.
0: Thanks, Isaac. Bye-bye.